Hey. Hi. It's Faith. Oh my God, hey. Welcome to Wait, Wait, Naked and Ashamed. I'm Faith Saley. The following message comes from our sponsor, Wix.com. With Wix, the web is your playground. Start with a blank page and design your website in any layout you want. Work with advanced features and sophisticated visual effects. You'll have the freedom to tell your story exactly the way you've envisioned it. Go to Wix, W-I-X.com, to get started today. Wix, what will you create? When I called Amy Dickinson, she was visiting New Orleans and talking to me from a pretty unusual spot. I'm in my friend's closet (laughs) and um, currently trying on all of her lipsticks. When she's not hiding in friends' closets, Amy is the advice columnist for the Chicago Tribune and a longtime Wait Wait panelist. She got her start being funny when she was growing up on a dairy farm in upstate New York. I come from a very funny family. Not like pranks. We don't do pranks. We don't do practical jokes. But there's a lot of, I guess you could call it wit. Is it wit when you haven't read enough books? (laughs) Or just funny? Just people being funny? Wait, how many women did you grow up around and girls? My mother was one of four uh, sisters, and we all live in the same town. And I have two sisters and lots and lots of female cousins. So it's really, really women exclusive. So what I love about that is, is, is that you were raised among funny women. It shaped you. Absolutely. And actually, the downside of that is that I had a, a little bit of a disadvantaged childhood in some very normal ways. And I think that I watched my mother sort of wisecrack her way through poverty and divorce and some really, really hard times. And she just dealt with that by um, she was very funny about her um, situation always. But at some point, I think it's okay to take yourself seriously. Everybody knows your day job is being Ask Amy in the Ask Amy column for the Chicago Tribune. Wasn't there a time when something about your column was mentioned in a bluff? Oh, my God. (laughs) This was like when all of my worlds collapsed upon themselves and, and I emerged like a collapsed star, like this dark piece of carbon. What happened was not that long ago, I got punked really well in my column. A guy wrote in to me with a question that involved him and his roommate and a love triangle with a girl. And, um, and the, the line at the end of his letter was, Amy, what can I do? This is tearing me apart. And what I didn't realize until later was that he had really <laughs> written the basic plot line of the room (laughs) and it included like enough details that if you knew the movie the room you would know instantly and this movie i've never seen it but it's like notorious for being arguably the worst movie ever made right right why lisa why lisa please talk to me please you're part of my life you are everything i could not go on without you lisa you're scaring me you are lying. I never hit you. 
You are tearing me apart, Lisa. And guess who loves the worst movie that was ever made? Like all the bros, all the smart Alex, all the talk radio, like sports guys. And it just blew up. And like this punked letter to me went viral. And that week I was scheduled to be on Wait, Wait. And on Thursday morning, they let me know that my story was going to be the bluff. Thank you, Bill. Right now it's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game in the air. Bill, what is the topic? Do quit your day job. All right. We pay our panelists untold amounts of money to be on our show. But strangely, they do have other jobs. Uh, Tom, as you know, does radio ads for Motel 6. Peter Gross does ads himself for Sonic Burgers. Amy, of course, is the Amy behind the Ask Amy advice column. Well, this very week, one mistake that they made, one of them made in their day job, made the news. We're going to ask each of our panelists to tell the story on themselves, but only one of them is telling the truth. Your job, pick the panelist who in fact made a boo-boo in their other gig. As an advice columnist, I spend a lot of time reading through psychology journals to ensure that I give the most up-to-date advice. But this week, I got a letter that made me wish I'd spent more time on Netflix. It came from a guy who called himself devastated. He said he knew his girlfriend was cheating on him. She had also falsely accused him of hitting her. He described the whole mess, quote, It's tearing me apart. I ran his letter in my column, and I gave him pretty good advice, I thought. Turns out, I was pranked by someone describing the basic plot to the cult movie The Room, a movie famous for being the worst movie ever made. (laughs) And about 10,000 people have enjoyed letting me know that I got trolled. Like a commentator on the AV Club website who wrote, You'd think with all of her appearances on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, she'd be hip to the joke. I'm looking forward to it blowing over, though, so I can get back to helping real people. Like that girl who can't pick between her vampire boyfriend and her best friend, the werewolf. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. It was so humiliating. And it was very, very funny. And, uh, I mean, they were nice about it in that they asked me, I think, in advance. Like, they ran it past me. Like, hey, we're thinking about doing this. Are you cool with it? And what am I going to say? You know, like, no. Because the thing was still flying around. It was still fresh. It was still fresh. Too soon. So, (laughs) I know. It will always be too soon for that story. What is your favorite Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me memory? Well, the most indelible one for me is when I was single, Peter Sagal decided to fix me up with somebody he knew who was going to be in the audience that night. So this was a blind date with a guy who was going to be in the audience. Oh. It's a very high octane experience for, for, for me. Like I had just agreed to this without asking him any questions. Like <laughs> such was my needy status at the time. So... <laughs> Peter came back in the green room before the show. What's the guy's name? He told me. I said, what does he look like? And, of course, all the panelists were back there. It was Adam and Mo. And Peter said, basically, well, he's um, height appropriate. And I was like, what does that mean? And Mo was like, oh, my God, he's really short (laughs) because I'm quite short. (laughs) 
but of course Peter is short. Yes. Right? So he's like, he's height appropriate. Then okay, well, what did he look like? Well, he's bald. He actually sounded like he looked a lot like Peter. So, and as Peter was telling me, what am I going to say? Like, oh, I'm not attracted to that. Like, I was like, oh, it sounds great. You guys stop it. Like, Adam and Mo were like, this is not good. Ditch. Burp, burp, you know. So, during the show, Adam writes something on a piece of paper and he slides it very discreetly over to me. I read it and it says, I see him. He's five people over from the left-hand aisle. So, of course, I count seats as we're doing the show. I'm, like, counting one, two. And I get to the fifth seat, and it's, like, an eight-year-old kid. (laughs) It was, like, this little boy. Like, his feet didn't even touch the ground. And that was, honestly, I just had to stop and pee my pants about that. That was the funniest, most wonderful moment for me that of course the audience you know would never ever see that was really really fun yeah <laughs> all right so how was the date and how tall or short was this guy uh, okay so we all go out afterward he comes with us and what i realized was very nice guy real funny but he wasn't interested in me at all he was really enchanted by the whole panel like it was i realized he was really on a blind date with Mo, Adam, and Peter, frankly. That was his jam. But the best part was, I then was like, Amy, get it together. Like, this guy's really funny. And so I sort of made a, an overture toward him, you know, like, hey, this is great. You know, um, he asked me if I could help him um, with something having to do with the Chicago Tribune. And I said, oh, sure, absolutely. Um, Would you like my number? And he said, no, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It it all ended up with a very happy ending. I mean, you have a husband named Bruno. Who gets to say that? I know. Wonderful Bruno. And actually, here's another wait, wait memory. When I started, um, I became very interested in Bruno, who, who was in my hometown. And I remember after the show one night, going out with Roy and Adam and Peter and all, you know, all the guys. And I sort of ran this up the flagpole. I said, hey, there's this guy, this man in my hometown. I've known him for a long time. I'm really sort of into him, but I don't really know what to do. I'm usually very, very sort of aggressive, you know, about this stuff. But I didn't, this is a dad. I didn't want to come on too strong. And Bruno had called me, and I, for the first time in my life, was trying to play it cool. And so I remember running this past them, like, you know, I'm just going to wait a few days to call him back. And Roy Blunt, bless his heart, he said, Amy, you call him back. Like, he's like, come on, don't play that game. Roy was really telling me to go for it. And I did. I did. That's Amy Dickinson. After the break, I talked to Roy Blunt Jr., the old Southern boy himself. Let's take that word by word. Old, yes. Southern, uh, yeah. I still feel a little bit like a boy sometimes when I play with the cat. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message comes from Walmart Grocery Pickup. With Walmart Grocery Pickup, you don't even have to get out of your car. Order your groceries online and let them do the shopping and loading for you. 
Get fresh groceries and save time. Visit walmart.com slash grocery today and get $10 off your first order with trial code don't wait. There are more ways to Walmart. First order only. $50 minimum. Expires January 31st, 2019. Welcome back to Wait, Wait, Naked and Ashamed. Roy Blunt Jr. has been with Wait, Wait from the very beginning. Like, the very beginning. Roxanne and Peter and I were the first, the panelists on the first show. Can you yeah. believe that the show is 20 years old? No, that means I'm, I don't want, I don't want to face up to how, how old I am. Um, no, it seems like uh, it's been less time than that, but there you go. And now you're one of the earliest panelists, and you're also, and I say this with all due respect, the oldest panelist. Yes, oldest panelist. Now, Bill is older than I am. I established that. Yeah, I grew, used to be among the youngest people of a group, but I am the oldest uh, panelist on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which I certainly feel because there's a new whippersnapper who joins the cast every day. And now they're having a kid's Wait, Wait. You've heard I heard just that. heard about that. We're all made obsolete. I uh, know. Yeah, who needs us? How does it feel with the with the you know rotating young whippersnappers coming in? Um, I just hang on by the tips of my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> thank God, we love them southern fingers. Your finger there looking you go, good, go. Roy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You once told me that the way you prepare for the show is reading an actual newspaper, like the kind that's on paper. Is that true? Yeah. Still. Yeah, I mean, that's not the only way. I also, you know, I'm on Facebook and all that crap. But, um, yeah, I read the New York Times, and down here I read the uh, New Orleans Times-Picayune, which I worked for many years ago, and the New Orleans Advocate. Doesn't take long to read either of those last two. But, yeah, I would not want to give up the New York Times, the actual physical paper. One time we had a thing on White White. Uh, the uh, fake story was something about... I don't know what it was, but I uh, made up uh, that uh, people were giving millennials or younger than millennials, I don't know what age people are anymore, but that people were being offered courses in how to read a newspaper, you know, tips <laughs> like you can lick your fingers if you want to try to get the pages <laughs> apart, stuff like that. They get questions about why is it so big and uh, how do I get the audio on it? <laughs> Did you listen to the radio growing up? I did, yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, uh, my mother listened to the soap operas all day, and I would listen to those with her. Uh, One Man's Family, I don't know, uh, Helen Trent. And then later in the afternoon, I had my serials I listened to, uh, Cisco Kid and, uh, and Suspense and Lights Out. Lights out, everybody. And then we would listen as a family to uh, Jack Benny. I still think Jack Benny's. And Fred Allen. Jack Benny had a great show. Fred Allen had a great show. The Ford Dealers of America present the Fred Allen Show. The Fred Allen Show with Fred's guest, the friend of Nature Boys named Jack Benny. Uh, yeah, I listened to lots of radio. And then we got a TV in 1948. And How um, old were you? Seven. Ah. And, uh, I mean, other kids had them, other families had them in the, in the 
around in the neighborhood, but uh, we didn't get ours till 48. But then I started uh, watching Howdy Doody and things like that. But and I guess I listened to less radio after that. You're Roy Blunt Jr. Yep. What was Senior like? He was a pillar of the community in Decatur, Georgia. He was um, he started out poor, but he worked his way up, and uh, he was a chairman eventually of the Decatur Federal Savings and Loan back when it was like. Uh, it's a wonderful life. He was the big, uh, big pillar of the Methodist Church, and he was um, chairman of the Board of Education when they integrated the schools. Uh, not wow. that he was a uh, firebrand or anything, but they figured if my daddy was behind it, it had to be okay. Huh. And he was a, a fine man, but uh, he was such a pillar of the community that I felt like I ought to go to some other community. You needed to be a pillar elsewhere? Yeah, I I needed to have a little more space. So I went up to eventually to New York and uh, which that's what my my high school English teacher gave me a bunch of New Yorkers to read. (laughs) And uh, and I decided I want to go to New York and eventually I did. And I wrote for the New Yorker a little bit, uh, but I realized that I really came more out of a different tradition. Although I learned a lot from those writers, um, I realized I was more Oral and uh, and uh, like to make animal noises, which don't really fit into the New Yorker. But I did write for it some. No, can I hear some? I don't think I've heard them on some the show. animal noises. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't just do them as animal noises. I mean, just when they come up, when I'm describing a dog or an elephant. I used to do a great camel after going on a camel safari, but I blew out my upper register doing it. It it starts out real high. Eee! See, I can't do it. I literally lost my upper, uh, upper whatever that is. That's how it goes. When you first saddle up a camel in the morning. Who was your favorite not-my-job guest? Uh, I would say Senator Obama. Uh, he was there in the studio. It was his birthday, I think. And he was on the show, and... Uh, He's talking about being in the Senate, being in this, what it was like being in the Senate. Each of us have these little desks that you can't write anything on because they're too tight. They're like the desks you had in elementary school. And parents, when you go to, uh, you know, uh, parent-teacher day and you're sitting there squatting, that's how it feels. But, uh, but when you pull the drawers open, uh, there are the names carved inside of all the previous occupants of the desk. And so in mine, you know, you'll see names like Lodge and and Taft, and, but you'll also see names like uh, Bobby Kennedy and Paul Wellstone, and it really gives you a sense of sort of the sweep of history that you're a part of now. Are they supposed to do that? Or they... <laughs> you know, I suspect the first couple of guys weren't. Yeah, but, uh, but it, now, now it's okay. <laughs> I don't think people realize the far reach of graffiti. <laughs> Are there little... Well, I, I was thinking about taking a spray can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, that's how we do it in as, Chicago. As, as the only African-American in the United yeah. States. Senate. You aren't just a writer and a humorist, as people like to call you. Um, you're also in a rock band, right? Yeah, I am the oldest member of that band, too. To my deep regret, I am not musical at all. Uh, but I introduced the band... Wait, Roy, l- I don't understand. You you literally don't do anything with the band except introduce them? I introduce them, and then I uh, come in on uh, You Move Me. You know that song? <laughs> yes! You move me. I think you move me. 
Yeah, I come in on that. <laughs> and I do a little eccentric dancing in the background. Are you serious? Yeah. Roy, I cannot imagine Dead you serious. dancing. <laughs> what a terrible thing to say, Faith. I don't mean it. I, ju- I just feel like you're a vi- I'm so sorry. I really didn't mean to offend you. I just... You probably can't imagine Einstein dancing either, something like that. <laughs> that you know what? 100%. You and Einstein. <laughs> radio is so stationary. And I don't know. I sit by you. you... <laughs> so I don't dance on the radio. No, I won't do that. Here's the deal, Roy. Having sat by you myself, having had that privilege, right. your energy is so smooth and calm Uh and i feel when i'm sitting by you i feel like i should be on a rocking chair with a fan and some sweet tea on a porch (laughs) in decatur am i wrong are you wrong no you're not wrong to feel any way you want to feel but of course inside i'm just seething and trying to think of something to say squeeze in in uh, edgewise uh you just don't know what i go through inside but i don't want you to be uh, panicked by it so i just sort of ease on off and, uh, <laughs> Wait, that's how i dance too i kind of ease along <laughs> kind of kind of the way a uh, a uh, possum dance <laughs> this is roy roy blunt jr this is so revelatory I had no idea there was angst inside of you or that you wanted to win the show. I'm human. I'm human, Faith. You're human, but you cover it up so well. (laughs) I want that on my gravestone there. That's a great epitaph. He was human, but he covered it up so well. (laughs) That's Roy Blunt Jr. On the next episode, Luke Burbank tells me about his unusual path to public radio stardom. My parents met at a evangelical Christian religious commune in Northern California. Uh, so very rainy, uh, very cold, and very filled with the Holy Spirit. And Brian Babylon gives me his best Peter Sagal impression. Of course I do. That's all on the next episode. I'm Faith Saley. See you then. 